You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Third down inches to go. The Vader. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. He has the quarterback. Take it easy. And the Green Bay Packers are going to be a world champion. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome to the Packers Total Access. I am your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers total access at gmail.com. I uh, just want to say good Thursday afternoon and uh, glad that you guys are joining us. Really, really appreciate your time. And, and we're going to do things a little bit different. Obviously, on the last episode, we kind of broke down some uh, some contracts with the uh, with the 53 man roster. We're going to cover the practice squad that is now somewhat set, right? And, and things are constantly shuffling around with the new CBA rules. We'll kind of hit on that a touch as well. But uh, really, yesterday we had um, a lot of player availability, I guess you could say, in the locker room. As far as interviews, we also heard from Brian Gutekunst. We heard from uh, from Matt LaFleur. So we're just going to take this episode and kind of get everybody caught up with what's being said uh, around 1265 Lombardi and kind of hear from the players and coaches, uh, you know, a lot, a lot more so than me speaking today. We'll touch on a couple of things as we wrap up. Um, like I said, with the practice squad and and a couple of other little interesting notes that went along with practice. But um, yeah, so that's kind of going to be what the show is today. I know that we had the uh, the brand new fantasy, the uh, Packernet fantasy uh, football podcast that launched today with Jacob and Tony and Justin. And uh, man, what a phenomenal job those guys did. If you're in the fantasy guys, make sure you check that out. Okay, do not do not let that pass you by. They did a great, great job just giving vital information um, as far as, you know, uh, sleepers and, and booms and busts as far as picks for your fantasy league this year. And they're kind of bringing it, what I like about it, they're bringing a uh, Green Bay Packer fan approach to it. And I think that is really, really cool. It's really unique. So make sure you go over and check that out. Hit download on that pod and give those guys a shot because I'm telling you, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a phenomenal uh, podcast. I told him I'm not even a big fantasy guy, right? But when I listened to that podcast, when he sent me over the uh, the raw version so we could upload it to Packernet Podcast, I listened to it. And I, I immediately hit him back and was like, "Holy cow, you do! You guys have amazing chemistry. It it literally felt like three buddies sitting on the couch having a cold beer talking about fantasy football, and you're getting some nuggets along the way. Just an excellent job they did with that. So uh, make sure you check that out. But without without further ado, whatever that means. We're going to go ahead and, and try to get this thing started here. Guys, hopefully the system doesn't crash because I'm telling you, I got more windows open than a trailer park here. I mean, I've there's 13. I've calmed down. I know. I, listen, I grew up in a trailer park, okay? I'm allowed to say that, all right? So just chill out. Put your stones back in your robes. Stop judging, all right? But uh, I've got so many windows open here. Hopefully this thing doesn't crash, all right? So let's do this. Let's, let's start off with uh, 
none other than number 12, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, and see what he had to say after practice yesterday. And uh, he just kind of touched, uh, touched on a few things uh, just regarding practice. And if I remember correctly, he actually went as far as saying this was uh, one of the best practices they've had so far this year. But let's hear from 12. I think it was the best practice of camp. You know, it's it's uh, for us older guys. It was like a preseason game. Uh, Conditioning-wise, I you know I wish we would have done a couple more of those. Uh, that was it was basically like a game. You know, we had a drive and then either you know a kick at the end and then the twos went and then back to the ones and did like a 40 minute running clock like that so it was a good practice a lot of different situations came up we had a couple two minute drills we had some red zone it was good good practice you had the full stat sheet for us i don't <laughs> but uh bobby caught a touchdown and Kabi caught a touchdown in two minute from you you said defense, or you guys beat the defense in the first day of practice, so who won? Oh, we did. Yeah, the offense. Jordan, Jordan threw a couple touchdowns. We scored a couple on the twos, too. Bobby cut a touchdown on the twos, and we had another one. I can't remember who caught it. Have you ever had a practice like that before in your career? Not here, I don't think. So that was, that was good. I really liked that Matt brought that up. It felt, you know, we warmed up like a game, and then Kind of got right into it. It wasn't there's some some live special teams reps, but I mean live to a T, you know, covering full speed cover. But uh, yeah, it was good good idea, good practice. Love it. So you hear there, Aaron was talking about just giving a lot of credit to uh, Coach Matt Lafleur. He changed up the. Uh, the approach to practice, they made it more of a game time atmosphere. They kind of prepped, got ready like as if it was a game. The ones went against the ones, twos against the twos. They did some special team stuff as well. And I love what he said there. If you guys could hear it, he said that uh, the offense won the day, and he grinned real big, right? Kind of a little shot across the bow at the, at the starting defense there. But he said uh, Bobby Tunyon caught a touchdown pass. Randall Cobb caught a touchdown pass. And I think he said Jordo, meaning Jordy, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jordan Love, um, actually threw a couple touchdown passes as well. So he feels real confident that the offense came out, came out on top of the defense today. And I love hearing that Bob Tunyon is looking more and more healthy by the day. I mean, he's in, in uh, team drills like that. I mean, the guy's going to be ready for week one. That's what I'm coming away with. And I couldn't be more fired up about it. I mean, I, I really think DeGuara has a chance to take a, a step forward. I thought he played okay last year, um, had a couple of flashes there toward the end of the year. Um, but the fact that uh, Bob Tunyon is is looking more and more healthy every single day. I mean, you've seen him on Bussin' with the boys. If you guys haven't uh, seen that podcast there, uh, that episode where it was Aaron and, and uh, Bob Tunyon on the bus and just seeing their chemistry back and forth, you could tell that – that Bob would would get out of line a little bit and say something just joking, and Aaron's like the big brother, right? Kind of checks him, and you could just see Bob cower down, like, okay, yeah, that's twelve, that's that's the guy right there. I'm gonna just just to put him in check just enough. It was a really cool dynamic, but he looked really really good, looked healthy, and um, like I said before, I feel like he's put on maybe a little bit of muscle too, but uh, nonetheless, I think Bob Tunyon's ready. But let's go back to twelve here. I'm not sure yet. If uh, 69 and 74 go, then the only question will be right guard. If not, it'll be the five you've seen uh, starting the game in the preseason. Do you 
think a practice like today's practice makes a difference come week one? I know it's different than you've had in the past and might have happened last year. I think uh, anytime there can be a narrative tied to something that is inflammatory, then usually that's what sticks. And I still think that the way that we do preseason with the ones is the right way to do it. Uh, maybe a couple more practices like today scattered throughout camp would be great. Um, this is, in my opinion, better than a, uh, when you bring another team in and practice because we get uh, more conditioning this way. You know, it's good work as long as there's no fights against those teams, but this is better work. Give a chance to talk to you, Rick. Love it. So Aaron just, again, bragging on Matt LaFleur and how he changed up the uh, the approach to practice yesterday. Really, really exciting stuff. You know, one of the guys that Matt or that uh, Aaron mentioned there was Randall Cobb, right, and talked about Cobby catching a touchdown pass. And uh, let's go uh, Let's go and hear what, uh, uh, what Randall Cobb had to say after practice. Uh, I know he's talking about just being excited about the opportunity they have in front of them and uh, touched on a couple of different things. Randall Cobb's one of my favorite players. If you guys don't know, um, you, I'm sure you know by now, I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcat fan as well as Notre Dame. Notre Dame's ties to Green Bay mainly is why I pull for the Irish. But uh, grew up a Kentucky Wildcat football fan. Never been really a basketball fan, which is funny because everybody always goes, oh, yeah, you're great at basketball. I, I could care less about basketball, to be honest with you. But I did grow up in a time when, when I was in middle school, Tim Couch was over just one county over lighting up high school football. And then he signs with uh, the Kentucky Wildcats and actually played for Bill Curry for one year before Bill Curry um, either either got fired or stepped down. And then they brought in Hal Mummy and, and had the air raid offense and everything blew up. You know, uh, Tim Couch, obviously the all the, the Heisman stuff. And then he gets drafted to a, a crappy uh, expansion Cleveland Brown team and really ruined his career. Not, not saying he would have been a great quarterback, but that's just uh, been so many good quarterbacks that have that have had to play behind crappy offensive lines and, and on bad teams. And it just, it absolutely ruins them. It, you know, insert anybody's name, you know, right. So anyway, that's how I become a Kentucky fan and uh, got to watch Randall Cobb's entire career. I mean, he done everything. He threw a touchdown pass. He ran touchdowns in. He caught touchdowns. He returned punts for touchdowns. He returned kicks for touchdowns. They said he could even kick and punt. He did everything. And he was a guy that actually um, grew up just about 15 minutes south of Neyland Stadium down there um, below where UT is with the Vols, right? And um, they didn't even recruit him. Kentucky offers him a scholarship. Tennessee caught wind that, hey, they offered this Randall Cobb kid a scholarship. So they swoop in and try to give a scholarship. And Randall says, no, dude, y'all didn't want me before. I'm going to Kentucky. They wanted me. And Tennessee paid for it. Um, Randall Cobb is an excellent, excellent college football player. But he's one of my favorite players. That's the reason I mentioned that. Um, and he just talks about – I love what he talks about here because he kind of hits on the game day playbook and and, and things that uh, normal fans don't really think about much, right? And most of the media never talk about stuff like this. You always hear about how this playbook is, is just absolutely huge, right, for every NFL team. But you never hear talked about how once the game plan is in place, the playbook is lessened quite a bit, right? They reduce it down. And then that that week of preparation, they've got the plays, you know, picked out that, hey, this is what we're going to attack their defense with or this is what we're going to try to stop their offense with. And the players really key in on that and study that and master that. Right. So you've got this huge playbook in training camp and now everything gets minimized. And it's to me, it's kind of the equivalent to it. There's a byproduct in this of, you know, when I was growing up playing baseball, and I'm sure many people listen to my voice, you play baseball. Remember the donut you would put on the bat? 
right? And you would add extra weight to the bat while you're in the on deck circle. And you got used to swinging that, 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 you know, that heavy club like that. Right. And then when you got in the batter's box, bam, you pop that, uh, that donut off and the bat felt lighter than a feather and you could really control how you threw your hands and, and, you know, where to put the barrel and, and all those things, how to go opposite field, how to turn on a fastball, all that stuff was so much easier because you were used to swinging with that heavy weight. This is kind of a byproduct of that, kind of the same mindset that when you come out of training camp with this huge playbook and then you step into week one, it's okay, here's how we're going to attack the Vikings defense and they minimize the playbook. It's it's less weight on the player's shoulders, if you will. So uh, Cobb kind of hits on that and he talks about the practice too that Aaron just talked about. But let's hear from uh, number 18 here, Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, that's the roster today. We'll, we'll see what happens whenever we get to Minnesota. You know, a lot of things, I've seen a lot of things happen over my years. Uh, there's a lot that can change until that first game. But uh, we have a good idea of who's going to be in that room and what we have before us. So uh, as we get into the season, the playbook condenses a lot. And there's a, a wide range of plays that get shrunk down based off of uh, the coverages that we're going to see versus the defense that we're playing. So uh, the the playbook will be what it is and it'll be a lot smaller to be a, a, a focus on so many different plays for us. So I look forward to those guys having a lot less on their plate, like during training camp and being able to really dial in on the plan, the plan for that week. Um, every week's going to be different and uh, just having all the prep that we had, I, I think they're ready to go. Yeah, I think I think we had a great day. Um, we had a lot of guys making a lot of plays. We were dialed in on the communication, uh, and that's what you want to see, especially in a practice that's right before three days off. Um, you know, and, and really being having that laser focus, having that competition uh, that we had today, and and really getting out there and and, and making it kind of game like for us uh, since we didn't play in the preseason. Um, I, I thought it was a great day for us as a group, uh, as a receiver group, as an offense, and. Um, we look forward to continuing that momentum into practice next week. Love it. Yeah, I just love how Randall Cobb carries himself. And it's so great having him back in Green Bay. Like I said, he's one of my favorite players, but he's always been a class act. And everybody remembers the famous video of his last last game in Green Bay when it was the writing was on the wall that Cobb wasn't going to be back. And he broke down in tears on the sideline. You see the video of, of, of Aaron hugging him. And it's so, so easy for the lame you-know-what media to make fun of of Aaron or of Aaron Rodgers and Brian Cooley. Oh yeah, you got to cater to twelve. You got to kiss his butt and bring in Cobb, who shouldn't even be on the roster, and all this stuff they said last year. But you never take into consideration the the human being behind the player, and and it's obvious when you watch that video. This it's funny. The same people that seen him crying on the sideline at the time were going, oh, man, it's just so sad to see Randall go. Then you fast forward several years, and it's oh, I can't believe they're bringing in a guy just for twelve because he didn't get a shot, right? But that's neither here nor there, I guess. Anyway, um, I just I, – I love Randall Cobb. I think he's great for the team. I think he's uh, – I think it's absolutely brilliant that they brought him in to help with the young receivers, even while Aaron wasn't there uh, throughout, you know, certain portions of the offseason training. And um, and Randall Cobb kind of being that that voice to, to kind of help communicate. You know, he's in the trenches with them and – Hey, look, here's what 12 likes to do. Here's what 12 is looking for. Here's the adjustment he's looking for. Those type of things is it's really it's a receiver's coach on the field. 
is essentially what you've got. So um, very, very excited to see what Cobb does this year. I hope he stays healthy because I think he's got a little gas in the tank. I really do. I think he just he would surprise people. If Cobb stays healthy, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes out and has anywhere from eight to 12 touchdowns and probably 800 yards. I mean, I, I think he can be that effective. I really do because he didn't look like he's lost a step. It's just can he stay healthy? And now he's in year two of this Matt LaFleur system, which is uh, absolutely huge. So let's move on to a younger receiver here. And uh, this was Samori Torre. And, uh, you know, obviously the some of the big talking points for us, whether it was us on live streams throughout the uh, the training camp process and um, or, or, you know, on our podcast in general, we were talking about would they carry seven receivers, right? They typically carry six. Well, if they carry seven, is it going to be Jawan Winfrey? Is it going to be Samori Torre? Obviously it was Samori Torre. And we got great news. I uh, heard yesterday that uh, – that, um, uh, Jawan Winfrey was indeed signing with the practice squad, so that's great. What's crazy is we got everybody back. We'll talk about that here in a minute when we break down the practice squad, but we got pretty much everybody back, and that's really, really exciting because not only, you know, there there was there were many people, and rightfully so, saying, well, Samori will make it to the practice squad. Somebody's not going to swoop in and try to take him out, you know, take him out from under you. It's not just that. Once he goes to the practice squad, you now lose that four-year contract, that four-year minimum contract, him being a seventh-round pick. Now, it's one thing if he didn't show anything in training camp, but he really, really did show a lot. I mean, he graded out pretty well, and uh, I'm really excited that he's on the team. I think he's going to be someone who probably steps into that that role in the next two or three years. I think we're going to look up and go, wow, we've got a solid number two receiver in Samori Torre. I can really see that. It, it just – the way he attacks the football when he's catching it um, is really, really impressive. And and obviously, like I said uh, on one of the post-game shows, he, he has a lot of body control as well, and that's something that's – very, very important in the game of football is, is good balance. But let's hear what he had to say, Samori Torre, when he was just kind of talking about making the roster and not being satisfied. We talked to you the other day. You said you are just going to kind of chill around, watch some movies, play some video games. What was, what was yesterday like? Yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I did. You know, try to distract myself, but just laying by my phone, you know, just kind of waiting. So When you got that call, what was, what was that like? Um, I don't really get a call. Like, it's more like we had a team meeting at 1 o'clock, it's like if you don't get a call by the team meeting, then you're good. So it's like I still, you know, didn't know all the way up to that team meeting. But once we got in there, he said like congratulations to everybody in here. So that's when I kind of realized that I made it. What was the feeling like at that moment? <laughs> um, I felt relieved. And I felt like you know excited, proud. You know, a lot of emotions. You know, but at the same time, I'm not satisfied. You know, I still got a long ways to go to to be where I want to be at. What does it mean that this team kept every single one of their draft picks? Is that kind of a point of pride for you guys? Yeah, I mean, for one, I think it means that they had a pretty successful draft, you know, if they wanted to keep their guys. And it means that they see, you know, potential in us. So it, it's a good feeling to have all the guys that came in with still here. This wide receiver room without Devontae Adams, it's kind of a new chapter within the wide receiver room. Do you feel like you guys could start your new kind of core of of wide receivers in the room and carry that on for many years to come? Yeah, I mean, it's up to us, you know, to set the standard, you know, for the receiver room and for the offense. So we just want to go out there and be able to, to make plays, be explosive, and, and hopefully just have a high-powered offense like they have the past couple years. Very well spoken. Um, love the way he carries himself as well. He just seems like a guy that uh, he belongs. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a good pro, and he's going to know how to be a pro. And I'm um, really, really excited for uh, Samori Torre. And I love what he said. You know, I'm not satisfied. I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied, right? And he just talked about 
that receiver room, you know, kind of uh, taking responsibility over over what it is they're going to do this year. So really, really excited that he made the roster, man. I, You know, I kind of broke that down yesterday. I don't want to flip through pages here and, and make too much noise, but just talking about the receiver contracts, and it's huge. You got seven receivers on, on the uh, roster, three of which are not under contract next year, and that's Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins. But you've got four in Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Torre. And uh, basically, uh, Amari Rogers has got two more years left on his deal after this year. And then obviously the other three, it's going to be year two of four. So you've got these guys locked up at minimum contracts. I mean, you're talking about 1.1 million, 1.6 million, 875K. And Samori Torre, who we just heard from, actually only making 724,000 this year against the cap. Guys, that's how you play the cash over cap game. You've got to hit on those late round picks and fill your roster out with those minimal contracts. And that's how you can afford to keep these people like Adrian Amos and and uh, and and restructure a deal with Aaron Rodgers and, and people like that, you know, your, your stars on your team, the key positions, your team leaders, however you want to say it. Uh, that's how you pull that off is by hitting on those late-round picks. And the fact that we have all 11 of our draft picks this year, guys, are on the active roster. That is phenomenal. Like – you always you always want to lean toward you know your draft picks because there's a reason you liked them when you drafted them, but at the same time, eleven draft picks and all eleven make the team. That is that's cash over cap blueprint is exactly what it is. So all right, before we move on to uh, Rudy Ford, who is the new signing here um, that actually took my boy Abernathy's spot. Man, let's pour one out for Abernathy. I was so excited about him. Of course, there's a good chance he is going to be signing on the practice squad. That. You know, at the time of this recording, we haven't heard that yet. But uh, hopefully uh, by the time this goes live, that will have happened because I think he really earned the spot. I love his story being in the USFL, the XFL, working his way up, doing it the right way. Um, but uh, we went out and signed Rudy Ford, who's a special teams ace. We're going to hear from him in here in just a second. But before we do that, let's take us a quick commercial break and uh, pay a few bills. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's go to the locker room here from yesterday, and let's hear from the newest addition to the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Rudy Ford. And this is a guy, like I said, he's highly touted as a gunner on special teams. Let's see if we can kind of catch a glimpse of uh, his demeanor and uh, and what his first day was like there at uh, at Lambeau Field. Just your thoughts on coming to Green Bay? Um, I feel really good. You know, it's a uh, great organization. Um, you know, they got a great uh, locker room. Um, so, man, I feel really good here. How'd first day go for you? First day? Man, he threw me right there in the fire, man, first day. So uh, we was rocking and rolling first first day. So, man, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot, man. I'm just happy to be here, ready to learn, uh, just ready to go. Uh, Packer fans don't, like, know your game, probably. Could you describe your game? What are you about as a, as a player? Um, I'm very uh, physical, very fast. Uh, you know, um, they'll be able to, I just like have to let my, uh, you know, just be able to, I'll just be able to showcase, you know, on Sundays, just kind of how my, my play goes, um, if you don't know. But yeah, I definitely bring a lot of uh, physicalness um, and a lot of speed to the game. How about special teams? How about, that's an end of the game that mm-hmm. Green Bay needs improving at. What do you yeah. bring to the party in that regard? Um, I just bring um, some elite side to that. So, um, you know, I kind of, Kind of been awarded, uh, you know, kind of being one of the elite players in the uh, league. So, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just here to, to help the team anywhere I can. Love it. So you heard him say there, he's known around the league as an elite special teams player. Um, you know, I, I haven't dug into his grades too much, um, but I do know this, that if Rich Basaccia liked him as much as he had to for them to go out and be that aggressive in signing him, um, you know, I, I was watching a little bit of tape uh, through Sam Holman um, on Twitter. If you guys aren't aren't following Sam, go find him. Uh, if you go to my my Twitter account, you'll see probably within the first few tweets, I probably retweeted something of his. I think it's at, at Sam D Holman. Um, D is in say Doug. I don't know what the the middle initial is. I apologize for not knowing that, but um, he was breaking down some of the special teams footage of uh, of Rudy Ford. And he seemed very, very excited about it. So I'd like to get him on the pod and have him kind of explain what he saw there. I probably should have done that here uh, for this episode, but things were a little hectic today. But, you know, with Rudy just talked about it being his first day, the thing that stands out to me is they said, man, they really threw me into the fire. Like that caught him by surprise a little bit. What what that tells me is he's going to be a gunner on day one. I mean, it's going to take him really screwing up over the next week and a half to not be – you know, one of the top special teams guys. 
um, because, you know, like I said, he, he may have sounded a little bit surprised, but they did. They threw him right into the fire and got him in the mix early. And that's a great sign that they uh, they plan on using him early and often, which is really, really cool. So uh, the thing I noticed about this roster, they carried uh, a few extra safeties. Um, they're really attacking that special teams position. You know, they only carry two halfbacks. We'll talk about that here in a minute as far as the rules. It's not a huge deal. As many people making it sound like because they guessed there was only going to be two halfbacks on the roster, it's like they reinvented the wheel or something. There's still people running victory laps. Absolutely blows my mind that here we are with a 53-man roster. We haven't even gotten to week one yet. And the amount of grown oh, – about, about said a bad word – Grown you-know-what men on Twitter going, told you so, told you so, told you that was going to happen. See? Like, come on, dude, really? It's funny. They don't ever talk about when they're wrong. But, boy, when they're right, they're on their soapbox. And I'm like, you're you're 30 years old, 40 years, however old you are. Who are you trying to impress? And what amazes me is do you think people read those tweets and go, yeah, man, he's something else? No. They're sitting there going, look at this moron. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, finish your victory lap and go disappear back into your world of negativity. Like, (laughs) I don't understand people, man. I really don't. But anyway, they did only carry two halfbacks, and we'll talk about why they did that here in a little bit. But it just it always amuses me. But let's do this. Let's go to the general manager, Mr. Brian Gudikins. And uh, he talked about uh, several different things here. But I think it's really, really cool. That right off the bat, he asked, uh, would you guys like to talk about Morgan Burnett? If you guys haven't heard, and I'm sure you have, you, you're all diehard Packer fans. Morgan Burnett signed a one a one-day contract with the Green Bay Packers because he said he wanted to retire as a Green Bay Packer. I was fortunate enough to watch his whole career. You know, I, I came on board uh rooting for the Packers back in 03. And obviously, I got <clears throat> what the only Super Bowl. Uh, you know, uh, championship that I claim is that 2010 team, right? And uh, he was actually on the roster for that. If I remember correctly, he was a rookie that year. And Morgan Burnett was a pro's pro. Um, he, uh, you know, he played, I think, on a couple of other teams after he left Green Bay, but um, just an excellent person. But anyway, Gudikins kind of kicks off with that. And then he's going to go into uh, talking about these new rules a little bit um, when it comes to uh, the 60-man roster or 69-man roster, which is basically what you have now. It's no longer a 53-man roster. It's a 69-man roster, and we'll explain how that kind of works here in just a second. But let's hear from the general manager, Brian Gudikins. I want to start off by um, just congratulating Morgan Burnett. You know, um, I scouted him out of Georgia Tech. So just uh, what an amazing 10-year career. Um, I got to pause this. If you guys didn't hear that, he said, I scouted him out of Georgia Tech. Gudikins has been in this building forever. This guy came up through the ranks scouting for the Green Bay Packers. And then lo and behold, we draft 11 draft picks and all 11 make the roster. He, he's responsible for drafting Jair Alexander and uh, Rashawn Gary, and and now we're already seeing Quay Walker is going to be an absolute monster, right? He goes out and he finds these no-name players like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas. I, I couldn't be happier with the job that Brian Gutekunst has done, but I really, really have a lot of respect for the man because he just said, I scouted him at Georgia Tech. That was his region, his area, and back in 2009, probably even into 2008 when Morgan Burnett was a sophomore, um, he was scouting players for the Green Bay Packers, and now he's a general manager. I just think that's worth noting. I think it's really cool. You know, he did everything the right way. Um, you know, just a class act all the way. So, um, if you have any questions about Morgan, anybody? Hey, Brian, I'll ask one thing. 
Bob, quick, just what did you think about his versatility throughout the course of his career? I remember they put him down in the box doing the nitro thing. What do you think that said about him and just the different roles he kind of played for this, this yeah. team? Well, first of all, his, his willingness to kind of do anything we asked him to do. That was pretty impressive. When we drafted him, I mean, we, we kind of like Darren Sharper back in the day, we kind of thought he had a corner skill set as well. We weren't sure exactly where he was going to land, but uh, he was an unselfish team player, and he was going to kind of do whatever we asked him to do and, and do it with, um, with, it, with maximum effort. Any more questions for Mon Morgan? Gotcha. Um, just want to thank all the, all the guys, all the players, for their hard work through this process, um, obviously through OTAs and training camp and uh, all, the, all the energy and effort they put into this. It's a really hard day to make these decisions uh, to get down to this, this point. But obviously, we've talked a lot about how um, I look at it more at 69. You know, we're going through that process right now. So, uh, but I think their work, uh, we had a really, really good group this year. Uh, proud of the way they worked and, uh, and what they did. I'll take questions. Brian, what went into the thinking to keeping only two running backs on the initial 53? Yeah, I think um, it kind of goes with that 69 thing I'm talking about. I think with the flexibility uh, of the elevations and stuff, as we kind of started to, to break this up, um, we thought that was probably best for our football team. Just, um, you know, and as we get through this practice squad, having, uh, having some guys in the practice squad that if we need to bring up, we can. I think also the emergence of Amari Rogers and with doing some stuff back there, I think on game day, you know, could help us as well. So um, we have some flexibility there. So that was kind of part of the decision. All right. So what he's talking about there with Amari Rogers being in the backfield, they were asked, you know, about him carrying two running backs. And, you know, in the past, we've carried at least three. In some cases, there's some teams that carry four on their active roster, right? Well, he talked about they have a lot of confidence in Amari Rogers being able to fill in in a pinch, right? To be able to play halfback. And that's something that he handled the ball quite a bit at Clemson. And you actually seen him in the preseason on these end arounds and, and jet sweeps and things um, in this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in this offense. He can definitely handle that load, right? He's built like that. He's kind of built like a running back. Um, he, he does have good hands as well. So I think that may be a role that they work him into. But what Goody's talking about with the 60 man roster or 69 man roster is, you know, you've got a 53-man active roster, and then you've got 16 practice squad spots, 10 of which have to be players who have been in the league two years or two years or less. And then you've got six spots that anybody who's played in the league can actually fill in those practice squad spots, right? And they utilize that to perfection. So what they did was they went to stash. Um, they wanted to only keep two halfbacks so they could really bolster up the special teams. And then, lo and behold, on the practice squad, both Patrick Taylor and Goodson clear waivers, so they still have them on the team. And you you see them doing that with players who don't have long-term contracts because you don't want to void those contracts, right? You want to take advantage of that rule with players that are on minimum contracts where you're not really sacrificing something like you would if Jonathan Ford would have been on there. You would have lost that four-year deal. Or, uh, you know, Samori Torre like we just got through talking about. It's very, very important that you're strategic with that stuff and how you handle that 69 man roster as you know, in conjunction with the 16 man practice squad. So essentially the way the rules have changed is you can now call those players up and Matt LaFleur kind of touches on it here in a minute. We're going to get to the coach here in just a second, but you can call those players up on game day and activate them. And that's really, really cool. That's really beneficial. I, I think anything like that makes the league better. Personally, it gives more players, more opportunities. And also it gives the team and the front office more flexibility when you're, you're kind of playing that game day, uh, you know, that, that game day active roster type approach. Um, so to put that into a nutshell, 
let's say they're you know week one with the Vikings, they wanted to activate one of those two runners, they can do that. They can call up Patrick Taylor, right? Now they may not do that early on. Who knows if they really like Amari Rogers? You know, if they think Mar- Amari Rogers can tote the rock better than Goodson or better than Patrick Taylor, then why not keep Amari Rogers and keep those other two, you know, on the practice squad and let them sit there, right? But at any point, they can be activated and brought up to the active roster and then put right back down. And there's no limits to that. Now you got to keep in mind that at any point, another team can go steal that player off of your practice squad. But the rule is they have to activate them on their 53-man roster. Okay, they have to be. They have to go there. They can't just go grab them and then stash them on the practice squad. So there's going to be this constant game of waivers clearing all year long. And I don't want to bore you too much with the details of the CBA, but I think it's important to understand what the 69-man roster means. And and that's essentially what it is. You get the 53-man roster, and then you get the 16-man practice squad that was expanded during the COVID year, and uh, they just decided to keep it. 10 of which have to be two years in the league, two years or less, six of which can be anybody uh, off your roster. So you got your Jack Heflins that are stashed there as well, your Jawan Winfrey's, people like that. So let's go back to Brian Gutekunst here and see what else he says. But on the defensive line, what was the thinking there where if you look at the numbers and the impact, um, Jack and Slayton had more plays than, than Ford did. Yeah, that's kind of out of Jonathan's control, you know, how many snaps he gets. But um, certainly when Jonathan was in there, he did a nice job. And, uh, big upside with John with Jonathan. We're excited about developing him along with the other guys. Hopeful, hopeful to keep those guys on the practice squad. Um, those guys have been in the league for a couple of years. Obviously, Jonathan, this was his first year. So um, we're excited about our defensive line group. We think it's very deep. Um, if we have to dig into that depth this year, we, we feel pretty good about it. Mike Abernathy wasn't here very long. What did he show you in that short time? Yeah, I mean, talk about a guy that took, you know, um, took advantage of his opportunities. And I'll just kind of get this out here now. So we, we signed Rudy Ford um, today, and so we will release Micah today, and he'll go on um, on waivers today. Uh, we're hopeful to get him back to the practice squad as well. But um, you talk about a guy that took uh, advantage of his opportunities. I think it really goes to show a guy that had some opportunities early in his career and it didn't work out for him. And uh, just getting himself you know prepared through the USFL and all the different leagues he played in. Because uh, he, he got here really late and hit the ground running, and every time he got an opportunity, he, um, you know, he, he certainly took advantage of it. I love that that Goody took a few minutes there to highlight Micah Abernathy and just and kind of praise him on the job he's done. And you heard him say right there, we want to get him back to the practice squad. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, it may have already happened by the time you're listening to this podcast. We're going to release at noon. Um, so uh, here on uh, on Thursday afternoon. So hopefully uh, Abernathy is already on the practice squad. But at the same time, they went out and got Rudy Ford because of his special teams, uh, you know, abilities and that type of thing. So, all right, let's move on to Coach LaFleur. Then we're going to touch up on a couple more things. We'll get you guys out of here. Uh, Coach Matt LaFleur um, talked about Leroy Butler, uh, pro football Hall of Famer Leroy Butler. I think it's awesome that we could say that now, right? Well, well-deserved, well-earned. But he actually made a trip up from Milwaukee to Green Bay to speak to the team. And you can just hear how Matt LaFleur talks about Leroy being just this class act. And then also he kind of touches on the new rules as well as far as calling players up. But let's hear from uh, let's hear from Coach LaFleur here yesterday uh, after practice. I think we had Leroy Butler here today. It was a great honor to hear him talk and uh, just what it means to be a Green Bay Packer. So anyways, it was, it was been a good morning. He wasn't too long-winded, but I'll tell you what what type of person it says about him in terms of driving all the way up here from Milwaukee, 
talking for about 10 minutes and then turning around and driving back. I mean, I think that says something about just how much he cares about this organization. And, you know, um, man, it was, it was a pretty cool uh, speech. Yeah, we reached out to him, um, I want to say late last week about coming up here and just thought it was, you know, probably long overdue. I don't, I don't believe I've met him in person till today. Um, and wow, he's just got an infectious smile and you can, you can feel his presence and um, just very good positive vibes around him. Was it due for you as an offense to just have the two running backs on the 53? I know that you can have crack squad elevations, right? And, and what kind of a running back do you think Amari Rodgers is at this point if needed? Yeah, I think um, certainly with, with the rules in terms of being able to bring guys up, it, it gives you some flexibility in terms of your roster and, and um, how you want to manage that. Um, there was a lot of discussion, and I think there, it's going to be ongoing from – here throughout the course of the season in terms of what's best to do. Um, but, you know, obviously when you have two guys like we have at that position, you feel very fortunate. And we're excited about the two guys that we, we got back on the practice squad. And then having a guy like Amari gives you a little bit of flexibility if you get into a bind, if need be. And, and that's still kind of a work in progress. And uh, we'll see where that goes, uh, you know, in, in terms of game to game. but. Um, we definitely have, feel like we have some flexibility within our roster. So you were able to get Tyler and Patrick back. What, where's their game at right now? Well, I think they're both guys that are, are definitely important that could potentially be up and, and suited up for us, um, you know, on game day. So, but uh, I think really a lot of these decisions, which they were very difficult. I know you guys had a chance to talk to Goody already. Um, a lot of this was impacted with, with special teams and so you know we, we need to obviously get better in that area and we felt like that that was the best route to go for our roster at this moment all right so sorry for the noise if you heard a door creaking open but my wife just snuck into the room mandy say hi to him hey y'all <laughs> she opened the door like is he recording yeah i'm recording <laughs> sound like a horror movie so anyway, Coach Coach Matt Lafleur kind of talking about those new rules and calling up practice squad players, that type of stuff. Um, I think it's something that's uh, it's changing the landscape of the league. It really is. It's something that's going to be here for the for the long haul, and I'm glad it is. I think it's awesome. Um, we get so attached to players, and, and you know, like Jacob talked about on the podcast the other day. You know, you you follow him on Instagram, and it, it was heartbreaking watching Ty Summers get cut because you know the guy absolutely loved playing in Green Bay. At the same time, it's a business. However, when you extend that practice squad, um, you know, to 16, as well as the rules of being able to call them up and down, send them back down, that type of thing, they, yeah, I just think the more players, the better, right? It's going to make uh, everything better for the league. It's going to be uh, better for the fans, everything all the way around. And it's it's almost like this farm system, right? It's this minor league system, if you will, for your favorite team. And those players get to hang around just a little bit longer. I think that's a, a plus for sure. But I'm, I'm excited about Coach Matt LaFleur this year um, going to the next level. I think I think we'll win. If, if Aaron stays healthy, I think we'll win a minimum of 11 games. I could see as many as 14. But I think we're probably somewhere around that, that 11 to 12 mark realistically if unless, you know, uh, you know, Lord willing and the creek don't rise that, you know, there's a bunch of injuries, right? So if we get to the point 
um, where he wins 11 games, then people are going to have to acknowledge that he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game, period. I don't care that he has had Aaron Rodgers. It's amazing that everybody said that about McCarthy. Well, he had, he had Brett and Aaron, okay, and then when McCarthy had a bad year and they fired him, all of a sudden that didn't matter anymore, right? I mean, it's obvious that, yes, it helps having a Hall of Fame quarterback, but at the same time, I mean, it, it, it takes a good coach to be able to be able to manage the team and uh, and put things into perspective as far as how are you going to utilize your players, how are you going to uh, maximize on the uh, on the Hall of Fame quarterback you got, right? And I think Matt LaFleur's done an excellent job, and I think 11 wins this year um, is going to put him in some rare air. He's already the all-time winningest coach as far as winning percentage in the history of the National Football League, and it's amazing that, well, he hasn't coached enough. Okay, they said it after one year. Obviously, that makes sense. After two years, okay, yes, yeah, small sample. Now it's three years, winning 13 games each of the first three years. Okay, when when, when is it good enough then? Does he got to coach 200 games before we're going to acknowledge that he's absolutely smoking everybody else in winning percentage? Is that when we're going to acknowledge it? So I think this is this year is the year that he finally gets credit. So we pray for health across the team. And like I said, we pull out you know anywhere from 11 to 12 wins. It's going to be time for the critics to shut up and, and acknowledge the fact that Matt LaFleur is, is a top-tier coach. And if, if he goes out and gets a Lombardi award, oh, my God, then it's game on, right? Everybody's going to have to acknowledge it for sure. Um, so, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the practice squad here real quick. Um, and this, like I said, this came out yesterday. To the best of my knowledge, it hasn't been updated before we recorded this podcast, so uh, if if any changes have happened, feel free to tag me in a tweet and say, hey, just so you know, this happened, unless you've seen, obviously, I've retweeted something. But here was the practice squad um, as of yesterday after practice, okay? You've got quarterback Danny Etling. I think that's something that's going to be very, very important, having Danny Etling on the practice squad. Obviously, he played well in the preseason. He's very mobile. He brings a lot of things to the table. You know, when you're game planning for a, for a team that's a mobile quarterback, Danny Etling, you want him – on your scout team. You want him helping run that scout team along with Jordan Love because they can duplicate. They can kind of mimic what a mobile quarterback would do. And that's that's essentially what happens um, the, in the week of preparation, right? I'm really excited about our opponent scout episodes that we're going to do uh, every episode before game day. Uh, for example, like um, our first one is going to be on the 10th, right? Saturday, uh, Saturday September 10th. I'm going to do an opponent scout episode, Packers Total Access opponent scouting episode. We're going to scout out the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to talk talk about their top three players on offense, their top three players on defense, what uh, what kind of schematics they like to run as far as personnel, um, you know, what packages are going to be on the field the majority of the time. And it's really cool because Kevin O'Connell comes over from the L.A. Rams, and we haven't seen him as a head coach, but you like to think, okay, he's probably going to do things very, very similar that he that to the way he uh, he coached as offensive coordinator with the LA Rams. So you can kind of pick from what they did last year and really start to dissect everything. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun um, in that regard, you know, handling that. But Danny Etling again, when you play a mobile quarterback, not that Kirk Cousins is. I'm not saying that. Believe me, he's the farthest thing from it. I think Kirk Cousins is a solid quarterback. I probably like Kirk Cousins more than uh, most average, you know, Packer fans. I think he's a solid, solid QB. But having somebody like Danny Etling on the practice squad where you can mimic a, a Kyler Murray, I know he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, but you can get him, you know, into certain packages and let the defense practice against a, a quarterback that's mobile, getting out on the edge, throwing on the run, things like that. I think it's very important. Let's go to running back. We got two running backs on the practice squad as it sits right now. Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor both make the practice squad. I think that's awesome. Being able to activate any one of those two. 
uh, on game day is going to prove to be very, very vital. And right now you're you're protecting those special teams players on your active roster until that time comes that you need to call one of those guys up. And I'm, I'm really eager to see what they do with Minnesota. Um, are they just going to keep um, Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon active as the only two halfbacks and use Amari Rodgers more in the backfield? I mean, we got Cobb playing slot. Amari's going to fill in a little bit. I, I would like to see Amari get any, anywhere from three to five touches. You know, and then split the carries between AJ Dillon and uh, and uh, Aaron Jones, and even flex uh, Aaron Jones out wide from time to time and take advantage of his receiving skills. But nonetheless, two running backs on the practice squad: Tyler Goodson and uh, obviously uh, Patrick Taylor. All right, so let's move on down to receiver. You got two receivers on the practice squad: Travis Fulgham, and you've got uh, Jawan Winfrey. I know Jacob is cheering right now. Um, it was kind of the the crappy birthday present, right? You know, yesterday. First of all, happy birthday to uh to Jacob for uh you know I think it was yesterday was his birthday man congratulations dude I think he said he was either 34 or 35 years old um a few years behind me but uh dude you don't look a day over 65 and I'm proud to call you a friend had to get a shot in there but Jawan Winfrey is on the practice squad I know he's happy about that that's better than him hitting the street and I don't think we've seen the end of Jawan Winfrey I think he's going to get called up at some point this year um, probably, uh, probably extremely likely, unless of course uh, another team comes calling and signs him. Which, for Jawan Winfrey's case, um, you know, I think that would be cool too. He deserves a shot. He's a good. I think he's a good, solid receiver. It's just I'm really happy that we got Samori Torre on the roster though, and maximizing that four-year deal. Um, moving on to offensive line. I believe we kept – it was either 10 or 11 offensive linemen on the 53-man roster. So we've only got one offensive lineman on the practice squad, and that's Caleb Jones. The fact that Caleb Jones went unclaimed absolutely fires me up. I don't think we've seen the last of Caleb Jones either. That dude has got a ton of talent, and the fact that he's on our practice squad and we've got him protected right now I think is really, really cool because you don't know what's going to happen with Bakhtiari. You don't know what's going to happen with Elton Jenkins, right? And next year, who knows, if he sits on the practice squad all year, we call him up, send him down a couple times, and then we decide to sign him to the active roster next year, you activate him on the 53, then uh, you've really maximized his talent. But he's going to get a full year on the practice squad um, just preparing with this team, with this coaching staff, with Coach Buckus, uh, teaching him the ins and outs of playing offensive line at the NFL level. I think Caleb Jones could really, really benefit from being on our practice squad for sure. Um, up, up next, we got two defensive tackles, uh, the trash can full of dirt, Mr. Jack Heflin, and then Chris Slayton, who had a, a lot of people you know, think he had a, a great preseason, right? Jack Heflin, I think, is one of the more solid players on the defensive line. The fact that we've got both of those guys bolstering our practice squad at the defensive line position I think is going to prove to be very, very valuable. Uh, as we move forward, I like that there as well. Outside linebacker, you've got uh, Sam Holman's guy, Kobe Jones, and you got Ladarius Hamilton. Ladarius Hamilton, I thought he had a great camp. That's two effective edge rushers sitting right there on the practice squad if for some reason we get in trouble. However, we did carry five on the active roster, so I think uh, I, I don't think we're going to be needing them as far as injuries are concerned, but you never know. But the fact that we've got rights to them right now is uh, is really, really important. And here's the thing, too, the, the thing that people don't take into perspective, when you got these guys on the practice squad, it's an extra body so you ain't got to bang up your starters. And we've seen those guys were effective. Kobe Jones had a good camp and Ladarius Hamilton had a good camp. Well, guys, that's going to make the offensive tackles better if they're rushing the QB in practice. You know, they're going, to, going against quality edge defenders 
uh, on the practice squad. I think that's really important. Inside linebacker Ray Wilborn. I wasn't a big Wilborn fan. Um, I was kind of surprised they kept him. But the fact that we only carried, I think, four inside linebackers, I believe is right. Let me double check here. I don't want to mislead you. I think it was four. Yeah, four inside linebackers. That's probably why they wanted to keep Ray Wilborn because, you know, four is kind of scarce. We typically carry anywhere from five to six on the roster, on the 53. So the fact that we had to carry those extra edge defenders in protecting uh, Kingsley and Agbar uh, on the uh, on the 53-man roster and, and protecting that four-year deal with him with that rookie contract being a fifth-round pick, um, you know, you had to kind of go a little bit thin at inside linebacker. That's probably why they kept Ray Wilborn, just to have a little insurance there. And I, I'm sure if one of these guys gets signed, I could see inside linebacker being a position that they add another body to because that, that position does take a bit of a beating. It really does. Um, up next, we got cornerback. We kept three cornerbacks, Rico Gafford, Keandre Thomas, and then Benji Franklin. First of all, Benji Franklin, I mean, I immediately heard that name. It's like Benjamin Franklin. What? I just imagine this dude running around on a practice squad in a – and a freaking powdered wig. I'm like, okay, this is not Benji Franklin. I don't know, dude. That's just a weird name to me. Like it's all about, all about the Benjis. That's what we're going to say this year. But uh, anyway, Keandre Thomas and Rico Gafford being on the practice squad really excites me. I don't know enough about our boy Benji to comment, but uh, this final addition to our practice squad, I'm very excited about. And that's kicker Ramiz Ahmed um, had a great camp. Hit every, did everything they asked him to do. Um, hit the ball really well, was extremely accurate in his kicks, um, made every field goal and every extra point that he attempted in the preseason and allowed us uh, a little bit of breathing room while Mason Crosby got healthy. And now, of course, Mason Crosby has been activated to the 53. Now, what's cool is if for some reason that knee acts up on Mason, which I don't expect it to, it was just a scope, it was just a cleanup, nothing major at all. But if that does happen, I have quite a bit of confidence in Ramiz Ahmed from what I've seen in preseason. Now, getting a regular season pressures on, I get it. But I, it just the fact that Pat O'Donnell is holding really, really makes me feel a lot better about the whole kicker situation. So that's your practice squad as it sits right now at the at the time of this recording. So we'll uh, obviously be filling you guys in. Just follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And um, we'll get you updates as uh, as the roster changes moving forward and that type of thing. So um, before we wrap up here, I did want to mention this. This was a tweet yesterday by Rob Demosky. He said, Alan Lazard was working off to the side with rehab coordinator Nate Weir. Uh, seemed to be moving fine doing footwork and catching drills. It's kind of odd. You know, Alan Lazard all of a sudden seems to have some kind of injury. It doesn't sound serious. However, um, you know, it does make you a little bit, a little bit wary. And, okay, is that why they carried seven receivers? Did they know this going in that, hey, Lazard's dealing with a little something and we have to carry seven? That makes me a little bit nervous for game day. I think the receivers we got can handle it. Um, but at the same time, and I want to see Lazard on the field all 17 games at that number one receiver position so he can earn that paycheck that I, I feel like he personally deserves. I'd like to see him come out and ball out, have over 1,000 yards receiving, and whether he resigns with us next year or not, let him get one good big contract so his family's set for the rest of his life. I think that would be really, really cool. Another thing that Rob Demosky mentions in this tweet is David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were both doing individual drills, okay? So they are on the active roster, guys. That's that's about as good as news we, as we could ask for. I believe if you rewound, you know, six weeks ago or six, yeah, six weeks back in the past and said, hey, the, both of these guys are going to be in the 53-man roster, we would have been stoked out of our mind because there was still a lot of us that were thinking that when the final cuts came, at least one, if not both of them, would probably end up on PUP. 
but it just shows you it's a testament to their work ethic, especially Elton Jenkins coming back from that. And let's see if David Bakhtiari's knee is, is finally healthy. We're all praying over that knee. That's for darn sure. So with that being said, I'm just kind of combing through here. I don't see any other news. So we're going to wrap it up right there, guys. We're about 52 minutes in Um, this guy, this show flew by, but uh, we're going to get you guys out of here. We really appreciate you uh, dropping in and hanging out with us. Hopefully we gave you a little bit of insight. Um, You know, this week was a little bit different, right? There's there's not much going on this week. So what we want to do is kind of make it when we when we uh, put together the outline for Packers Total Access. Like I told Ryan, I want people to feel like they live in Green Bay. I want them to feel like they're right there in the building and they're getting total access to the Green Bay Packers. That's what we're trying to do. So anytime that we can take this downtime and just listen to the coaches and the players speak and hear it come right from their mouth and just give a little bit of insight as they wrap up. I think it's probably the best way to handle these slow periods. So we'll be back. uh, Like I said, let's see, today is uh, Thursday. So we will be back on uh, Saturday. Yeah, we'll be back on Saturday to to put out another show again. uh, If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to that fantasy podcast with Jacob and Tony and Justin. Um, It's a banger. It's very, very entertaining. And give us some feedback on Twitter for sure. I'm sure there's going to be a new account to follow there. Uh, to kind of keep up with that. So if you guys are entering fantasy football leagues, also guys, make sure you uh, you email them. If you want to uh, if you want to participate in the Packernet podcast fantasy league, make sure that you reach out to them on email. Um, if you listen to that pod, uh, Jacob does a good job promoting that email so he can get you the exact email. I don't have it wrote down here, but we were looking to fill a league out with listeners. Okay, so this is your opportunity for bragging rights. This is your opportunity to compete against other listeners and who knows, maybe a couple of the hosts as well. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get entered into that. But with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for your time. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Third down, is to go.